Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I was so excited I get to do both parts because no one is here. It's just me. Uh, happy Easter. We are so glad that you're joining us today and that you are celebrating with us. Today we are celebrating the most unlikely thing that has ever happened in the history of things happening. And it's this, that Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. And that may seem like a small thing on some level, that's just a, one person, but there is something about that that has changed everything for us. That fact screams down through the generations that God is on our side, that he loves us, that he is for us, that he did not make us for fear, he did not make us for death. Because of that fact, we understand that we are in fact eternal because of what Christ has accomplished. And we'll die for a moment, but just like Jesus, that grave will never hold us and the resurrecting King is coming for us. And that's what we celebrate today. That is the best news this planet has ever known. I don't know about you, but I could use some good news today. I could use some good news this year. I, I, I was thinking about this this week. Do you remember back in January? We were all so optimistic. And it was like 2019 was over and 2020 was upon us. We were like, this is going to be a great year. At least that's how I felt. I was like, 2019 was hard. How in the world could 2020 be harder than 2019? And the year 2020 was like, here, hold my beer. And it just, like, it got really bad really fast. I mean, it started with the continent of Australia was on fire, and there was the whole impeachment thing, and like a really contentious election, and the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, which was hard. Uh, then this coronavirus thing hit, and like the, the just economic devastation that we're going to be living with for a while now because of all the things that have happened. Uh, you know, the song... Yummy by Justin Bieber was released shortly before that. I don't know that those two things are connected. You draw your own conclusions. But the point is this. Already, it's only April, and in 2020, a lot of really hard things have already happened in our world. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like I could use a little bit of Easter right now. I need to be reminded of this. Death doesn't always win. That's what Easter reminds us about. It reminds us that there is a reason for hope. And I need that reminder today more than any other day because my hope has taken a beating this year. So let's remind ourselves this morning the reason that we have hope. Let's dive into this story and read it together. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 16. We're going to read Mark's version of the Easter story. We've been studying the book of Mark here at Pulpit Rock since September. And uh, the, the book has kind of been building and building. And then Mark is going to end it with the resurrection of Jesus. And what's fascinating to me is how he chooses to describe this event. What you'll find in your Bible is there's actually two endings to the book of Mark. There's the original ending, which is Mark 16, verse 1 through 8. And then there's this part that appears to have been added later, which is Mark 16, verses 9 through 20. And we don't totally know what happened there. It could be that Mark came back and he said, well, I want to add a little bit more to the story. Or maybe early believers did that. Or maybe it was something that was lost and then it was found. And so it was added back in later. Nobody exactly knows what happened. But it, you do get this feeling when you read the original ending, verse 1 through 8, and you stop there, it leaves you wanting more. 
And it's kind of like, well, what, what's next? And you're dying to know the answer to that question. And actually, these next few weeks after Easter, we're going to dive into the answer to that question. What was next? And Jesus has these moments where he appears to people, and we're going to look at all of them after Easter here. But I want us today to just stop with those first eight verses of Mark chapter 16. Because while I understand the desire to know the rest of the story, I think Mark is doing something here that is actually really brilliant. And I think you'll find it's perfect for this season that we are all living through. So let's read this together, the original ending of Mark's gospel, the way he describes the resurrection of our Savior. Mark writes this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? I want us to pause there because I think we need to feel the weight of this question. These women, Mary Magdalene, who anointed Jesus in Bethany, uh, Mary, the mother of James, but also the mother of Jesus. These women were not just uh, invested in Jesus' life, but they saw him for who he was. They loved him for who he was. They believed in him and they listened to him. They dared to hope that this kingdom that he talked about, this kingdom of love and of justice and of mercy, where things are redeemed and things are finally made right, they dared to hope that it was real and that it was actually coming. And they put all the faith that they could muster into Jesus. And then in these last few days, they saw him betrayed They saw him abandoned, they saw him beaten, they saw him murdered by the most powerful nation on earth. Everything they hoped for, it was taken from them in three days, and they only had this one thing left. It was the only thing they had left to do, to care for the body of the one that they loved. To give him some semblance of dignity, some semblance of respect in his death. Jesus, the the, the man who conveyed the dignity and the respect of the living God upon every person that he met was lying alone in this tomb with nobody brave enough or courageous enough to care for his body except for these women. They had lost everything, but they just had this one thing left. It was the smallest act. It seemed so inconsequential, but it was all they had. And so they woke up and they gathered their spices together and they set off for the tomb and halfway to the tomb, they realized we can't even do this. The one thing that we were holding on to, we're not even strong enough to move the stone. I mean, imagine how crushing this was for them. Imagine, like, this is like insult to injury. This is one of those, I I just want to sit down in the middle of the road and give up moments. I know you know this, but the world that we live in, it brings all of us to moments like this. And we talk about love, we talk about hope, we talk about joy, all those things, but there are moments when this world kicks you in the gut and reminds you just how dark this place can be. 
And I think that was the moment that these women were having, where the world gets so dark that you start to wonder if, if hope and light is not an illusion or some delusion that you've embraced. And I think in those moments, our, our soul just kind of cries out. It's a groan. And it, it, the, the words of these women capture it well. I can't even move the stone. The one thing I was trying to do, the one thing that I thought, uh, in, this would be something. I'm not even powerful enough to pull that off. I know you felt it. I felt it too. That moment, uh, that crushing moment, is part of just being alive on this broken earth. I felt that moment in a few places. Um, I felt that moment in, in Bangkok, Thailand, at a place called Nana Plaza. And some of the volunteer work that I do with the Exodus Road, one of our ministry partners who does amazing work trying to free people from human trafficking. I've been to Nana Plaza a few times. Um, it's, it's like an outdoor mall. It's shaped kind of like a horseshoe. There's one entrance, and then there's four stories of brothels. And it's crowded always with customers, with people being bought and sold, and you see some of the worst of humanity. You see people with money taking advantage of the poor. I've seen some awful things there, and there's this moment when you kind of first walk in, and there's this one entrance, and you stand at the bottom, and you see like floor after floor of the stuff, and it's like the walls are closing in on you, and it's like you're standing at the bottom of a pit, and you just, you look up, and you're like, gosh, what am I doing here? I, like the one thing I hope to do, I'm not even strong enough to move the stone. I felt that in uh, a dirt shack of an Ethiopian woman, a woman whose son had some major medical issues, and she heard that the Christian church was bringing an American doctor, and she came with all of her hope and all of the desperation of a mother with a sick son, looking for deliverance for him. And I was there with my brother, who, who is a doctor, was the doctor we brought in, and uh, we, we went into her home, and I watched as my brother, with so much kindness, cared for her son. But we also sat in that reality that there, is, there was nothing that could be done, and he was going to die. It's a really hard moment to watch the last lingering light of hope go out of someone's eyes, um, and the world reminds you just how dark and ugly it can be. And you have that feeling, I can't even move the stone. I felt it in the Bekaa Valley in Lebanon, um, sitting in one of hundreds of refugee camps, meeting child after child with no options, who are going to live their entire childhood in pallet wood and corrugated metal shacks. And that's their situation, totally vulnerable, totally powerless for even basic safety, simply because they were born in a country with an abusive government that doesn't care for its people. And they're going to lose their childhood because of the crime of being born on the wrong side of a human border. And the world reminds you just how small you are. And you feel it. I can't even move that stone. I felt it here 
I felt it last fall when my son when my son came home and told me about a friend of his in seventh grade the day before they were playing football. Um, later that evening, that friend of his went home and took his own life. And the world reminds you how powerless you are and you feel it, I can't even move that stone. I feel it now with the coronavirus, I'm sure you do too, with the economic devastation that we're all living through. You know, this is a global sickness, but it is not just the sick who are suffering. Think about the isolation, you think about the job loss. I know like we look at this and we all just want someone to solve it and I think there's good people working on this but it sure does feel like every available course of action has really negative consequences. And it's like the world is collectively reminding us, hey, you're not as in control as you thought you were and those things that you wanted to do, you, you know, you, you can't do them. You're not even strong enough to move the stone. I believe in love and I believe in hope, but there are moments like these, and this is what these women are experiencing. There are moments when it sure does feel like hope is the illusion. And the world reminds us of just what we are up against. And I resonate with these women because I've been there and I, I'm sure you have too. I've had moments where I've thought, listen, it may be small, it may seem inconsequential, but at least there's this one thing that I can do. And then I discover in that moment that I'm not even strong enough to do that. These women, they ask a question that's in all of our hearts. Who, who will roll this stone away? And I think somehow we've got to feel the weight of that question. We've got to feel the despair in that question or we will never understand the next five words in our Bible. But when they looked up, but when they looked up. Do you know what Easter is? Easter is that moment when we look up, when from the crushing weight of all of our fears, when we realize we're not powerful enough to do the one thing that we wanted to do, we cannot move the stone. And even so, we look up and what do we find? Verse four, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. While we were despairing, while we were overwhelmed, while we were crushed by the weight of this world, by our inability to do the things that we hoped to do, God was at work. God was doing the thing we didn't even know we needed, and it's better than we'd ever hoped. Verse 5, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in, white, in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. 
But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. It was not just that God moved that stone. It was that he conquered death. It was that he defeated sin and the grave. It was that he laughed in the face of the darkness of this world. And he proved once and for all that while the darkness of this world is very real and we feel it all the time, it will not get the last word. And then Mark ends with this uh, brilliant ending. Verse 8, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid, period. That's it. That's the end. Now, you can see why people thought we should add a little bit more to this. I mean, that's just like, you're like, well, what, then what happened? Um, not, it doesn't seem to be a great ending, but maybe it is. Think about this. What Mark has just set up really for us is the nature of life on this planet. We have a choice between two things, and it is a hard choice, and there's nothing that can be done to make it easier. And Mark doesn't make it easier. He just kind of brings this choice to us. In one hand, we have verse 3, the crushing weight of a dark and broken world, and we can't even move the stone. Now, on the other hand, we have verse 6. He has risen. He is not here. And the end of Mark's gospel is a choice. One of those is real. One of those is the illusion. And Mark doesn't tell us what the women ultimately, ultimately chose. He doesn't tell us what the disciples ultimately chose because the question is what we are going to ultimately choose. That's why he's writing this book. Remember, the crux of the book of Mark is that question that Jesus asked his disciples right in the middle where Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And at the end of the book, Mark is bringing that question back to us. Either it is all true, he's risen, or he's still in that tomb and the darkness of the world wins. I would frame it maybe this way. Mark leaves us with these two possible truths. Either we have nothing, even when it feels like we have something. Like even when we're happy, even when we're hopeful, there's no way of dodging this reality that eventually the world is going to kick you in the gut and remind you just how dark and broken this place is. And even if we can avoid some of that, like we still have death waiting for us, right? And if Jesus is still dead, then hope and joy, those are like the fleeting delusion of life and the world wins. That's one option. But then there's this other option, that we have everything, even when it feels like we have nothing, even when there's despair and hopelessness. Eventually, we are going to look up, and when we do, we will discover that God has, in fact, done it all. And no matter how hard our life gets on this earth, there still is this Jesus who has made a way for us, who loves us, who has conquered death, and he set up this kingdom that laughs in the face of this dark world because everyone who belongs to him knows that the darkness may be real, but the darkness will not last. And if that is true, then it's pain and it is despair that are the fleeting illusion of life because the resurrecting king is on our side and God has robbed the grave. And this is where Mark ends with this question. Jesus, he's waiting for you in Galilee. 
Which truth are you going to believe? Either you have nothing, even when it feels like you have something, or you have everything. Even in those moments, it feels like you have nothing. Easter teaches us, it teaches us to look up, to dare to hope that at the end of it all, he is not there. He is risen. And it's a hard choice. That's not always our experience, is it, right? I know there's so many of us who have longed to see that stone moved and we looked up and it was still there in the moment. And we gave up hope and we became bitter at God. That's why I love the way that Mark ends it. He doesn't just tie it up for us in a tidy little bow because he knows that this choice between hope and despair, it's not an easy one. He knows that just like these women, sometimes we are going to flee in fear. Our hopes have been so shattered that sometimes we just, we dare not hope again. And I wonder if maybe that's not the perfect resurrection story for this Easter in 2020. It's hard. It's hard to stay hopeful in this world. It's hard in this moment to be hopeful. It's hard to choose to look up. It doesn't just happen. So there I was, um, standing in Nana Plaza, just overwhelmed with the darkness kind of just closing in. And I looked up. And I saw two men, friends of mine, who were there also with me, uh, giving up their time, risking their safety with the slim hope that maybe they could do something to rescue just one person. There I was walking away from that Ethiopian woman's hut, grieving for this mom who had just realized that she was going to lose her son. And I looked up, and there were the leaders from the, our partner church, Lekukeda, praying over this mom and arranging for her care when the worst thing happens. There I was in the Bekaa Valley, grieving these children who have lost their childhood and it will never be given back to them. And I looked up and I saw our partner, Pastor Muhammad, meeting with one of their fathers, arranging to purchase some land so that this father could build a farm and they could have some means of livelihood. In the days that followed my son's, uh, the suicide at my son's school, I was heartbroken, devastated. But I looked up, and what did I see? I saw Pulpit Rock choosing to fund mental health training for all of the public school teachers that we could afford, and not just raising enough money, but raising more than enough money so that we can continue to invest in the sort of training that would help this epidemic of teen suicide to end in our city. And in this coronavirus crisis, frustrated with all the choices facing us, I look up and I see a church rising up with creativity and with passion to take care of the city and to find new ways to declare that the darkness of this world may be real, but it will not get the last 
word. I don't know where you are today with this question that Mark is bringing to our feet. Um, Maybe you feel hopeful. That's great. (laughs) Maybe you're feeling the weight of this dark world. Um, We shouldn't minimize the darkness. We all feel it at times. And I think what Mark is saying here is not intended to minimize it. I think he's just bringing to us the two options. And he's encouraging us with this, that Easter means we look up. We look up. We were not made for fear. We were not made for despair. We were not made for sickness and death. Those are the temporary things. We know how this story ends, and that is not the ending of it. The resurrected king is resurrecting us. Look up. He is not in that tomb. He is risen. Look up. That's what it means to have faith. It's just that simple. Do we believe that Jesus is there? still in the tomb, or do we believe that he is not there, that he is risen? And if we do believe that he is risen, it is a choice to hold on to that hope, no matter how dark the world may get. It's this belief that we have everything, we've been given everything, no matter how it looks in the moment. You know, if you've never made that choice to trust that he is risen, I want, let me encourage you, choose it with us. The world desperately needs more people of hope. The world needs more people to embrace this fact that death is not the end, that our sins are forgiven, that God is for us, that God loves us. That's what it means to be a Christian is that we believe that, that the tomb is empty, and that is the invitation for you this Easter. And brothers and sisters, if you have faith that he is risen, if if you've already chosen to believe that, let me encourage you, keep looking up, especially now. We're the people of hope. We are the ones who know how this thing ends. And in the darkest places of the world, those are the places that we need to be the most present because we know the truth. We know the God who laughs in the face of death. We know that all people are eternal and that all people are loved with an everlasting love. We know how the story ends. Now is the time for the people of God to look up and to rise up in this world. Jesus, we are thankful for your resurrection and for everything that it means. And we are daring to believe that that tomb is empty. That you have conquered death that you have defeated the grave, that you have defeated sin, that you are not there. And we look up and we look to you with hope. Forgive our hopeless hearts and fill us again with faith. We trust you, our resurrected King. Amen.